Hello, I'm Howard Phillips Lovecraft, and despite all my warning, you're listening to Microphones of Madness. Hey, it's Microphones of Madness. I'm Rodney. Over there, Steve. Hey. And today we are getting into Marvel Television and Netflix's Pulp Cthulhu Adventure, Defenders. <laughs> it seems to me that people have kind of a love-hate relationship with this uh, series. Not me. I have no hate. You have no hatred within you. I'm saving it for the Punisher. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> now let's all fawn over a mass shooter. Yeah. Fuck Frank Castle. Fuck the Punisher. We're... If you want to do a show on the Punisher series, I'll grudgingly watch it, but I wasn't actually planning on watching it. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, we will do a show on the Punisher series. We've done a show on every other one. Yeah, every other one was good. Yeah, that's right. But let's talk about this one. So the premise of the series is it's the culmination of all the Marvel Netflix series, Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, Iron Fist. And we find our four heroes coming together to prevent the hand from destroying New York City. Right. And there's a lot of good stuff. I mean, it's it's shorter than all the others. It's only, what, eight episodes? Yeah, it was shorter by four episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, personally, I believe those four episodes were the uh, the early release episodes of Iron Fist. Maybe. I think people give Iron Fist a lot of shit that he doesn't deserve. Well, There's- yeah. I mean, a lot, of, a lot of folks who complain about this show have pointed out, you know, Danny Rand being, you know, the problem character. And if you ask me, it's Daredevil. And his, and his near omniscience. Yeah, I wouldn't even say there's a problem character, but let's let's talk about what people think about these problem characters. Um, first of all, Danny Rand is what he is, and you could th- piss piss into the wind on that because he is what he is. And if you're upset that they kept him relatively similar to the comic book. I guess that's on you. Um, is he a perfect character? No, he's kind of a douchebag, but that's part of who he is. And yeah. you can't have every character can't be like the shining example of hero of heroism. I mean, you have to have like people you're going to like people you don't, you're, you don't like it's they're trying to make it realistic. And well, yeah, there's an, First off, Danny Rand is the most inexperienced character. He's also the youngest. He's barely 20. Yeah. Here. Whereas the other characters are, you know, well into their 30s. Well, he's barely 20 and half of his life was basically cut off. That's true. That's true. He spent he spent half of his life in a in a monastery uh in a, you know, in a mystical city that doesn't really exist anywhere. Yeah. With you know, sexist As, bastards. With sexist bastards and iPod from the nineties. Hell, it might even be a Zune. 
<laughs> he had an MP3 player. That's right. So, you know, and if you're going to, and I think a lot of people have taken their feelings about the casting choices of mm. Danny Rand on um, the fact that he's white and does Kung Fu and internalize that so that they hate the character. Right. Um, or and, that he's skinny. Right. He doesn't have the right body. His his technique isn't, you know, I've heard people say that they could take him. Fine, whatever, you know. It is what it is. They could have race-bent Daredevil. They could have race-bent uh, Jessica Jones, but mm. they didn't. But everybody's like up in arms because Danny Rand is an Asian. So whatever, you bring your own baggage to the table. But let's deal with what it is. Danny Rand is a rich, overprivileged, overprivileged man-child who has more power than he probably knows what to do with and deserves. That's the character. That's been the character. Well, deserves is kind of questionable since he did he did have to earn it like everybody else. No, that's true. And he does make a point of saying that he earned it. Every, every, every chance he gets. Uh, exactly. Um, He's the immortal Iron Fist. Yes. And he'll tell you. He certainly will. Um, but then again, that's that's all he knows. But it's part of the character. It, it, he's a foil. He's a damsel in distress. He's a lot of things. Mm-hmm. But he's also the glue that held the, those people together. He was that's the right. one from Jump Street who was saying, we're in this together. We're a team. He's the one who pointed that out. Right. And, and he's also the one who Daredevil went to at the spoiler moment that I'm not going to give away. Right. And, and trusted Danny with the big secret. Right. So take what you will, but just in context of the show, he wasn't the, the fucking weak link that everybody thinks he was. No, no, he definitely wasn't. And now let's, let's talk about Daredevil. I, I think Daredevil, you know, yeah, he had the big spoiler moment, but, yeah, I, I think he was. They they really overpowered his radar sense. They did. They made him a little bit more than he ever was, and even in in the in the previous Daredevil seasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, he can. He heard Luke Cage hit the ground on the second floor of a building three blocks away. Yeah, <laughs> uh, he knew Electra. He knew Electra was in the building as soon as he walked in the door. You know, they put him in the elevator. He was able to count how many villains were downstairs and that two of them they had fought before. Down a 600-foot hole. Right. You know, it's like, okay, you know, it's a bit much. You're – I mean, I don't even think – I mean, even in the comics, Daredevil's still blind. Yeah. And he he's not – um able to, like, just freely navigate – the way he does in, in defenders. He doesn't do it in, in any of the other daredevil episodes, but in this, I mean, hell half the time he's walks around unfamiliar buildings like he can see. Right. Well, I mean, they did establish that he has that world on fire kind of sense. Um, in season one, but even, even so he was 
it's a bit much. Why bother having him be a blind character if he doesn't have any any of the the uh, negatives of being blind? Right, and you know he has enhanced senses, so you would think that a lot of the loud noises and stuff would. I mean, hell, even Ben Affleck's Daredevil had a weakness against loud noises. Right. I mean, if take away the blindness, and what is Daredevil? He's Wolverine. With Pretty much without a healing factor. Yeah. So I, I think, and I think that's what they try to do with him in this is make him a Wolverine kind of yeah, character. Kind of make him, somebody had to have the reluctant powers. Uh, yeah. Someone had to have superpowers and, and not just being bulletproof or really strong. Somebody had to be a superhero. <laughs> and, right. And uh, he, you know, out of all of them, he is the closest to having like, extraordinary powers that aren't common i guess i mean they used his powers well in certain areas like you know putting his hand against the wall and find you know finding the hollow section right yeah that's very much in line with the comics um you know the but the whole thing about you know 600 foot hole and knowing everything that's down there yeah. Or or the joke moment in the uh, in the Chinese restaurant. And, oh, is that pork? No, that's shrimp. Yeah, that he's got fun. pork. So that was fun. <laughs> yeah, but you know, and sometimes it just really felt like Daredevil was kind of shoehorned in. Um, you know, he had a couple of no, you know, decent yeah. moments, right? Uh, he had a couple of decent moments with Jessica Jones by themselves. But I honestly, I thought this show really shined when it was Luke and Danny and Jessica. Luke yeah. and Jessica, Danny and Luke, Danny and Luke especially, because they had a lot of you know, moments there. Yeah, they did. They there was definitely a lot of nods to the to the old Heroes for Hire mm-hmm. um, comics, including in the title sequence. And I'm wondering if. Uh, if that's going to be where Luke Cage and, and Iron Fist are going to head. Cause that would be great. That, that would make my day. Yeah. They could have almost, you know, if they didn't have to put daredevil in there, they could have almost turned defenders into a heroes for hire series and had Jessica Jones guest star. Right. Well, I mean, you could have had, well, they didn't because really, really with the exception of like foggy and Karen, um, you know, being at the police station, it was the entire cast of you know Heroes for Hire. That's true. You had Misty Knight, um, Colleen, Colleen Wing. Um, God damn, I can't remember her name. Claire. Claire, thank you. Yep. Luke, and, Luke, and uh, Danny. That's Heroes for Hire. And even Hogarth was there. I think Hogarth's a man in Heroes for Hire, but yeah, they they did gender bend Hogarth. Yeah, which is cool. So, yeah, I, I think Dare, and Daredevil also was the only one wearing a costume, right? And and some people, you know, don't really dig the superheroes without costumes deal. <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> but you know, he does wear the tracksuit at the very end. You know, at least they go that far. Um, you know, and there are nods, you know, like 
you know, spoilers. I mean, this is what three weeks after the release, so we can we can talk about the end. Um, you know, Daredevil uh, sacrifices himself. Kind of. Kind of. You know, he's he's dead for fifteen minutes of screen time, and I'll get to that in a second too. Um, but you know, and he becomes like the inspirational hero. He becomes like kind of he goes from being the Wolverine when they set the team up to almost being the Captain America sort of character. It's it's Daredevil that really, you know, forces, in a way, kind of forces Danny to grow up and really, you know, discover what his place is. Well, I think that and Stick. And Stick and Stick trying to kill him. You know, realizing that he needs his friends and that, and that he, you know, more than anything, New York is home, and he wants to protect the city. Well, I think Danny's big, big uh, growth was realizing that his private war on the hand: a, he needed friends, but b, he needed to actually be part of the team and mm-hmm. not be, um, you know, a guy that works with other people, but be part of the team. Right. And you know, they wanted him to sit out because he was the object of the hand's desire, and he wouldn't have it. Mm-hmm. And I think once he um, he and Luke were bonding during that, and once Stick was going to kill him, um, right? He, I, the, the telling thing was Stick was ready to kill him, and instead of of letting Electra kill Stick, he warned Stick, right, that Electra was there, even though he was about to deal the killing blow to Danny. Danny, like behind you, yeah. So because because deep down. You know, regardless of whether he's he's privileged and, and, and rich and white and all this stuff, Danny is a good person. He's a good kid. You know, he, he really wants to help people. He just didn't know how. Right. He he was not he was the only character of the four defenders that was not fully fleshed out from the very first appearance. Right. He was also the well, yeah, he was the only one who who experience like extreme loss at the end of their story arc mm-hmm. like you had i guess with daredevil yeah his relationships broke to the point where you know there were no more right the avocados but- were done but even still he he ended up doing what he wanted to do and mm-hmm. they weren't completely estranged they still talked to each other right and but even after the end the events of season two of daredevil you know, Matt Murdock really, it's like, yeah, I love Karen. Yeah. You know, Foggy's my best friend, but you know, I'll throw you guys under the bus in a heartbeat because of Electra. Right. And, you know. and Danny, I mean, Danny lost Kun Lun. Mm-hmm. He lost, lost what he thought was his home. Yeah. Or what had been his home for 10 years. Right. I mean, Luke bit the bullet and went to jail, but he got out. But he got out. Uh, uh, Jessica, Jessica just was a mess, but she was a mess to begin with. Right, she was a mess. She kind of went into seclusion. Right. Uh, it's it's where you, it's where you see, and when you see the characters, you know, at the beginning, they introduce everybody to tell you what they're doing. Matt has kind of retired. He's doing a lot of pro bono work. You see him win this big multi million dollar case at the very beginning, but he's kind of retired from being Daredevil. Right. Um, you see Jessica Jones, who's kind of a recluse after dealing with the purple man 
in her series. And, you know, she's just really hiding and, and getting drunk. She's not taking any cases or anything. And then you see Luke gets out of jail and he goes back to Harlem and he's really trying to figure out, you know, what, what he wants to do now. You know, it's like, I need a job. But I want to help people. But Misty Misty brings him into this by, you know, it's like, look, you want, I know you want to help people. I know you just got back, but, uh, you know, I got this case. It's hard to crack. Maybe you can do something for me. Yeah. And, and, and Danny is, you know, he's traveling the world, fighting the hand. He's the only one who's actually engaged in the battle from the get-go. Right. Because, you know, he's pretty much decided he's throwing everything to the wind to, to fight against the hand. That's well, and, what he's led is his only purpose for existing. Right. But also, I mean, it's kind of like Batman. He can afford to do it. <laughs> right. Well, he can afford to do it. I mean, he's like, he owns 51% of a huge corporation. Mm-hmm. He, can, he can take planes to Tibet <laughs> to, to follow up leads. Right. And in France like and, and all over the world. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not like, yes, he's dedicated. He has that drive, but he also has the means to support that. Whereas right. the other three, not so much. Right. They They work for a living. Although Jessica apparently has enough money to keep herself in booze. Yeah, I don't know. And don't and know. apparently she has a good bit of it because uh, she drinks a lot. Yeah, well, it could be, you know, Hogarth paying her off for keeping her mouth shut. That's true. That's a possibility. Um, you know, and then... And Hogarth does pay a lot of attention to the affairs of Jessica Jones. Yes, she does. Um, well... Yeah, Hogarth is apparently paying a lot, pays a lot of attention to everybody. You know, she she pretty much has Matt Murdock on retainer through Foggy, right? You know, she and she's probably aware of it too. Yeah, it's it's nice how they interconnected everything. Yeah, with, yeah, with little little tidbits. It's not like huge things. It, it kind of reminds me of of. Um, Silver Age and Bronze Age Marvel comics, mm-hmm. where they did it wasn't like huge crossover events, even though this was a huge crossover event that you have every year. It's just like little things, like every once in a while, you'll J. Jonah Jameson will will uh, pick up his suits, and you'll see Matt Murdock in the you know in line behind him. Mm-hmm. Stupid little things like that. Right, right. It really more than the Marvel Cinematic Universe. This actually felt like a shared universe. Yeah, the, um, the Marvel Cinematic Universe kind of seems a little forced. Right, right. Because you know, well, everybody's on the Avengers, and so you know they all are together, and they come together for these big events. Right. In in the Netflix series, you could really just imagine, and I wish they kind of would have done this. Is you know something like you said, J. Jonah Jameson picks up his suit. Matt Murdock is you know at the cleaners. Um, you know, like maybe Daredevil season two, one of these scenes where he's walking down the street. You know, maybe a similar. You know, Jessica Jones was walking down the opposite side of the street. But they do do things like that. because they are right. They do that in the comics, but they don't necessarily do that. Well, they do it through, over the course of the series. Over over the course, they do, but it's like little like name drops and stuff like that. It's not huge, like right. It's blinking, you miss it kind of stuff. Right. But it still it makes it feel a lot more organic than mm-hmm. uh, than even even the. Uh, 
the uh, DC television universe. It, it, it right does that with like dropping like cord industries and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, I think Jessica Jones was referenced a couple times in Daredevil season two. You know that the other thing that happened, right? Well, and then you have like people like Claire who are in every series, right? Up in every series, or or on the board at the yeah. police station, Misty Knight in Misty Knight Squad Room. There's all the pictures of different things that have happened, mm-hmm. you know, uh, regarding the hand. And Karen says, you know, points at one picture, and I was there. You know, and you can almost imagine all of those ancillary characters right. standing there in front of the board, going, "I was there, I, I was at this one," and that sort of thing going on. And, yeah, and, and yeah, and that showed kind of the interconnectedness of it. And I think at the end of Luke Cage, Claire was looking at um, a self-defense flyer, and it was for Colleen's, uh, Colleen's yeah. dojo. It's little things like that are great, and and they're they're little and they're subtle. And they they make it so that it's a little bit more alive. The the mm-hmm. universe is a little bit more alive than you would normally just get. Um, that's what the strength was in back in the day with Marvel, and that was like one of their biggest strengths. Mm-hmm. Was is that you'll was all part of the same thing, right? Or you know, because you would you'd read a issue of Spider Man, and Spider Man would be swinging, and the artists would in the very back of the panel you'd see the Human Torch fly by, right? And then you know it would turn out that you know when you're reading that issue of Fantastic Four, you know there's something you know the Fantastic Four is taking care of, and Johnny is flying by, and you see Spider Man going by in the background, you know, and it's like those little nods like that that yeah, all of this stuff is happening. And all of these things happen simultaneously or, you know, within a certain time frame. Um, Now, speaking of the comics, and you were talking about the Silver Age, one of the things we've talked about repeatedly over the course of the Netflix series is their use of color in each series. And now we have Defenders comes out, and the use of color is just phenomenal here. Because each character has that color that's associated with them. Right. And go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say it's a, it's one of the other strong points of just the technical aspects of the series is its mm-hmm. use of, of color. Yeah. We've spilt a lot of air on that previously. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it, But it really works out well in Defenders because you'll have – You'll have a scene with Matt Murdock, and and there's a lot of red used, you know, within that. And then you'll have the scene transition, and the transition will go from red to blue, and then it's Jessica Jones, mm-hmm. and then it'll go from blue to yellow, and it's you know Luke Cage, and they they did that repeatedly. Even in the Chinese restaurant, you have Luke and Danny sitting on one side of the Chinese restaurant, and it's yellows and greens everywhere. And then the camera turns because Matt Murdock has walked off and he's framed by these red blinds right in the front and, and the neon and the neon and, and stuff like that. And Jessica Jones goes outside in the alley and the alley has like a blue tint to it. You know, and it's just amazing how they did that for each color. And the other thing that I would mention is that now the color was not quite as strong in Iron Fist. But as the course of the series of Defenders progresses, 
you notice that the green associated with Danny gets stronger and stronger until you get to the very end and it's, you know, very strong green. Right. And, and you had pointed out um, earlier in private conversations that y'all aren't privy to mm-hmm. uh, that, that when uh, Daredevil in the comics, when Daredevil was uh, outed, Right. Well, he really outed himself um, as Matt Murdock. Um, Iron Fist took over the mantle of Daredevil for a while mm-hmm. to kind of throw off the the scent, and right? Preserve his secret identity, mm-hmm. and uh, like you yeah, said, that it, was that, uh, during the first Civil War storyline. Yeah, um, which I happily only glossed over because. Uh, mm-hmm. But um, at the end of this, you you get a similar situation where Daredevil has disappeared, presumed dead, and whispered something into Danny's ear right before the shit went down. And uh, it very well could be, you know, with the the eclipsing of the red with the green, it very well could be that Danny might take over as the devil of Hell's Kitchen while... So Matt Mur- Murdoch's identity remains his own. Mm-hmm. Th- yeah, and I think that that final that final shot of Danny on the rooftop, um, you know, in the tracksuit, he's got the glowing hand. You know, he's he's got his hand lit up, but the Empire State Building is lit up red at the top. You know, I guess in mourning for the Devil of Hell's Kitchen. Um, you know that. That's a possibility. I mean, you know, Matt Murdock wore a mask to be the Daredevil. Right. I don't necessarily think that is what's going to happen, but mm-hmm. it is a possibility. It, it opens up that possibility. Right. Right. Unless I that's going to happen in in Danny's own series, or or maybe somewhere at the beginning of season three of Daredevil. I think I think Daredevil is going to be going to uh, Born Again. I really think that that's where this is coming. This mm-hmm. is where that one's heading um, because in, in born again, once the, once the kingpin finds out who, uh, who daredevil is um, that scene of, of daredevil, he gets the shit kicked out of him and ends up in a convent, like in a, a nunnery hospital. Right. Very much like his, the ending of, of defenders. Right. And they made a point of saying, you know, you don't, doesn't take a rocket scientist to realize that the devils of hell's kitchen and the blind pro bono hero lawyer are both missing at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yep. And the kingpin is not a stupid man and he's still around and you know, he's pissed. Oh yeah. Yeah. He was still pissed in season two when we saw him in jail. Yeah. <clears throat> um. Now I, I was expecting the Kingpin to return for Daredevil. I really wasn't expecting it to necessarily be just the hand. But there were, you know, never heard a word about the Kingpin. Nope. Um, Madam Gao has moved on. (laughs) Madam Gao has moved on. I mean, she technically is probably the only one, technically the only survivor. She is. She totally just pulled a... (laughs) She did what a what a Ho Fong did. Yeah, <laughs> she, the mask, she just like slipped away. 
she slipped away and you know she's standing over uh i forget what the uh, the japanese hand member's name uh you know it's like what is going on here and she's like this is the end and then the building comes down you know but there's no telling you know she she oh, could have easily got away made it out come on man of gal made it out oh yeah Right. It's, it's funny because you had said when you first started watching this, mm-hmm. you were like, you were like pissed off because Madame Gao doesn't is, doesn't play second fiddle to anyone. That's right, because it's <laughs> Madame fucking Gao, and she's. <laughs> it's like, yeah, well, she was the she's the most canny of them all. Mm-hmm. Well, Madame Gao is probably the one of the greatest villains to come out of that series. She's evil fucking Yoda. I mean, yeah. Vincent D'Onofrio's turn as the kingpin. He did an excellent job. Um, but Madame Gal is just, she's, she's just Yoda. a great villain. Yeah, she's, she's almost like, <laughs> she's like oh, evil yes. Yoda. She's, she's definitely like a Doctor Doom level villain. I mean, I she, think, like, you know? she just like looks at you, takes a step and yeah. gives you the palm in your... Now... And 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 Madame Gal's the type of villain who who will do that. She will kick the shit out of you in one scene and offer you tea later lecture on, you. and lecture you about how what your shortcomings are as as a hero, or as a villain, <laughs> or as a villain. Well, she's great because she totally she's one of those villains that uh, is completely convinced that she's not a villain. Mm-hmm. Um, she thinks she's right, right, and she's just she's just kind of there. I mean, I mean yeah. everyone else, everyone else was evil. Right, every other member of the hand was just evil. Like you had the Japanese guy was just a fucking serial killer. Right, Bakuto is a wannabe like, like a fucking yeah, he's a douchebag. Right, um, the the fellow from Africa was, you know, he was just like a wants to be a dictator. And Alexandra, you know, she she wants to be Victor Von Doom. Yeah, she's yeah. a Machiavellian bitch. Right. But but Gal, but Gal is just like Gal's like total big picture. And mm-hmm. she really she wants to live forever. They all did. But right. I think she probably had the purest reasons for it, if there are pure reasons for that. And she just wanted to go back home. Yeah, she just wants she to, go, to home. go back to Kunlun. And you know, She's. She also gives me one of the other things is, and we're talk about Gal's age because she strikes me as being the oldest member of the Hand. Period. That she was, you know, it might have been all her idea to do the immortality thing anyway. Right. She might have been doing it on the slide before anybody else. Right. Or she might have other ways of doing it, and she just doesn't tell anybody. Um, but I like how they kind of gave that Hyborian era. Uh, origin of the hand, you know, that these guys have been around for thousands and thousands of years. Right. You know, doing this and, and Gao even feels even older than that because, you know, the big reveal is, you know, the substance that gives them immortality is, you know, fossilized dragon marrow. And she acts as if she was alive when they were. Yeah, she's like, you know, and once these mighty creatures roamed the green valleys of my homeland. Now, that was all the great stuff about the hand. Mm -hmm. The things I had a problem with 
with the hand um, was it was all so petty. Right. It wasn't like this grand, like Gao, I get the sense that she perseveres and it's like this big scheming. She's putting her, her pieces into place. You know, she did heroin, the heroin trade for a while, but she was never interested in the heroin trade. Right. It was just a means to an end. And everyone else was just like, I just want to live forever. And, and right. it, was, it kind of like got reduced to like this pettiness. I just, that was I, their goal. It wasn't, I want to live forever so I can. It was, right. I just want to live forever and have, and oh yeah, and have power. But you know, that's like, that's so petty. Why, mm-hmm. how many, it is menacing, but it doesn't give that sense of dread that they made the hand out to be. They made the hand out to be this like all seeing, all knowing, evil, lurking organization that was supposed to, you know, keep children up at night and use that to scare people. And it's just like a bunch of fucking people who want to live forever. Right. Well, little, I mean, I think a little disappointing. You know, Gal's hand is it was the one that was actually, you know, the one the boogeyman hand. You know, it's, it's like each finger had a different faction. Yeah, it was like Bakudo's hand was like James Bond villain. Like right. Cares. Mm-hmm. Like a <laughs> right, and and you know, it's like oh well, you know, I'm the leader, and I'm just you know, I, I'm the administrative finger. Right. And, and, and then the other like, guy he, was like, he didn't even really have a faction. All he wanted to do was live forever, go around the world and hunt exotic animals with uh, his bare hands. Right. He's just a serial killer. Right. But, yeah. Like Bakudo was like creeping on, on Colleen. Right. <laughs> he was like the MRA hand. Mm-hmm. He was creeping on Colleen. He was like, had his like army of business ninja. Or his right. wasn't the business ninja. His were the homeless ninja. Right. He had like the essentially the Foot Clan. Yeah. Yeah. You know, where he would you know the the downtrodden and stuff like that, and he would recruit them. Right. And it was uh, Alexandra who had the business ninja. Yeah, she had business class ninja. Um, you know. Yeah, and you didn't really even get to see what the what the African guy had. Uh, he had like you know these like. Uh, I mean, he was in like so Boko Haram or something like that. They all jumped in a van with their AK 47s and stuff. Yeah. I mean, it was just kind of like, oh, okay. He's got like the stereotypical street thug kind of right. drive by guy. Yeah. And, you know, that was kind of, that was kind of, and then they just killed him. They could have done a little bit better with that. Yeah. And, yeah. So, so it was like the threat didn't really seem there. Well, I thought Sigourney Weaver did a really good job as like what she was. Right. Um, you know, as, as like this matriarch trying to hold on to her power and uh, quelling, crushing rebellions in her own ranks and having her schemes come to fruition. I think she did a really good job of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I just don't think that that was like such an ultimate threat. Right. <laughs> I, I just think they could have had like something a little bit more to the hand than I want to live forever. And it's like, I want to live forever and crush muggles like, you know, Voldemort. Right. That's scary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's just, I just want to live forever. Okay. So what? Right. What? And then they, then they just kind of like throw on later on in the series, they throw on that. And we want to return to Kunlun. Right. 
But even that, like, well, you destroyed. So does Kunlun. Danny. Yeah, <laughs> you destroyed Kunlun. How does that make yeah, sense? Alexandra did, and and she yeah. never, she never really paid for that. She had she had Electra, the the black sky, you know her her super soldier essentially. Yeah, and that really became like her the entirety of her organization was was just Electra. Well, it was because she like completely squandered all of her resources to bring mm-hmm. to bring Electra around. Right, in which you know she killed off a bunch of guys just training her. Right, and then Luke and Danny yeah, and, and it's and, like business ninja. You just go and yeah, they, get, they get a bunch of assholes with MBAs, and there you go. Send them over to a weekend of. Uh, of I need. Training. I need the the recruiting ad. You know, uh, if you have an MBA and a black belt, report to Midland Circle. Black belt not required. <laughs> black belt not required. Because we're just fighting Danny Rand. <laughs> right, because you know he has a shitty form and no muscles. Right, but um, you know, so you had that you, the the villains just they they didn't have it, and you know, and it really wasn't quite as satisfying. I mean, Bakuto's death was satisfying because that was done by the daughters of the dragon. Yeah, yeah, you know, instead of instead of the heroes. You know, you actually had the, the the first big team up there, and you know, Misty Knight lost her arm in that fight, and right. well, and and you had to have people had to know that Colleen wasn't like the squeeze of Danny Rand, right? Colleen can hold her own, and even though like you go on Facebook and everybody's like, "Oh, I would have loved Iron Fist if it was just the Colleen Wing show," you really got to establish her in the series as like someone who can hold her own and kick ass. And I think Bakudo served that function. Mm -hmm. He wasn't, Mm -hmm. he wasn't Danny's enemy because everybody had their enemy, but he wasn't Danny's enemy. He was Colin's enemy. Danny's enemy ultimately was the hand and himself. Uh Yep. And he actually was the only character to really grow out of it. That's true. Uh, Jessica just kind of stayed status quo the entire time. Well, yeah, I was kind of disappointed with how they treated Jessica Jones in that. Um, mm-hmm. It seems like she was almost a a throw, like not a throwaway, but an add on. Like, oh yeah, we did Jessica Jones. We have to have her in this, right? Um, she did some right. detective work, which is great because she's the only one who did detective work, mm-hmm. and that was her role. Um, but you also got to remember, she is super strong. Right, right. And and I think that because they made Luke Cage super strong as well, that that kind of outshone what she can do. She wasn't unique. Everyone else was unique. What was Jessica? She was strong. A and girl. Even, even whatever you can, whatever it is you are. Right. We've got the Devil of Hell's Kitchen, the Hero of Harlem, whatever it is you are. A blind ninja is what it, Yeah, yeah. When he was going down the list. Yeah, you know, a yeah. blind ninja, you know. The hero part of skin. Oh yeah, the bad guys like whatever it is you are. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's just like that's not really respectful. Mm. And you know, and if you think about the individual series, Jessica Jones was great. Oh yeah. She, that w- hers I mean, was probably the strongest of the four. Yeah. But I think it was one of those things like, okay. Yeah, we have to have her in here because that was the setup. 
but yeah, she wasn't unique enough as as a power set. She yeah, wasn't a tank, really, and they didn't write for it. And she should be the tank. She should be the tank, or a tank. I mean, Luke Cage is definitely the tank because you know, bulletproof skin, super strong. You know, he's the guy you put in front. Right, and Jessica should be in the front, and Danny is kind of like the Lancer character. He's supposed to be fast and agile, and right, which you know, and that makes you know Daredevil the support character. Which I guess that's why he they had to do his radar sense the way they right. did well, it. But see, Daredevil and Iron Fist are very similar characters, just in mm-hmm. terms of what they can do in battle. They're they're They're, fighting. They fight. Yeah, they're lightweight fighters. Mm -hmm. Not lightweight as in they, you know, like weight class. Yeah, yeah. Welterweight, I guess, is the technical term. Uh, No, Danny would be a lightweight, and uh, uh, Daredevil would probably be a welterweight. He's, He's a little bit bigger. But anyway. So yeah, so I had I had some issues with the, with that just the roles. Um, I think they they uh, painted themselves into a corner with Luke Cage uh, because he has bulletproof skin. Mm-hmm. Um, so he and but somehow he didn't have hand ninja proof skin, and some of the fingers were able to hurt him. Um, yeah, they were able to hurt him, but they were they, they didn't break his skin. That was one of the things I noticed too. Is that you know the the inconsistency in the power level? Yeah, when they need Electra, Electra, Bakuto, Gal, uh, all the fingers could knock Luke Cage around like he was nothing. Right, and really, anyone who should have been able to do that would be Danny Rand when he had the Iron Fist. Right, I mean Danny, and maybe Gal fight with her Yoda powers, but right, and you know you had. You had uh, Danny fight Luke Cage because yeah, that you was always like, have to have hero and hero fight. One of my favorite scenes in the whole thing was that initial fight where Luke Cage is just standing there, right? Pop, 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 nothing, and then Luke Cage just goes pop and sends him flying. Right, so it's great. And then, and then no, Danny gets up and stay down, and then he lights it up and boom, and it's like that close up of his face. <laughs> That was great. And in the next scene, in the next scene where Luke's like putting the ice pack on his jaw, <laughs> he's like, What happened to you? He's like, I got in this fight with this kid. You know, he had this glowing head. And Claire like picks up the phone. <laughs> yeah. You know, that sort of thing. And, and you know, it really it was. Th- that was a great moment. Uh, their little moment in the dojo at the beginning. Where you know he's like, look, dude, you know you're just a little privileged asshole. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, I can't remember him. You know, and stuff <laughs> like that, and you know, and that that's kind of started Danny's transformation right there. Is Luke Cage calling him out on his privilege? That's true. But and, I mean, what does he do? He does like the most privileged thing in the world. He right. He puts marches, on a suit and marches straight, straight into the boardroom. Yeah, and it's great because he doesn't even put on like a cool suit. He puts on like the suit of like the intern guy. Right, full fitting, <laughs> crappy suit with wrong shoes. <laughs> I'm, doesn't shave. Just oh, it's a suit. It'll work. Right, I'll put on my power suit. Know. Just because he doesn't know. Right, that's because he, he has no idea. You know, I'm Danny Rand. I'm a businessman. 
you know, it's like, no, you're not, dude. <laughs> Colleen, like, like, you're a warrior. <laughs> you're not a businessman. Right. You know, and it's, it's not like if Danny, Danny ran in charge of Rain Corporation. It would be broken six months. Yeah, because, you know, what does he do with his money? He pays for Colleen's prosthetic arm. He, I mean, he pays for Misty Knight's prosthetic arm. Well, he buys six months of rent at a Chinese restaurant. Right. Well, he had well, to. He also compensates all the members of a community that are getting cancer because of power lines of his company. So mm-hmm. Yeah, so there's that, that responsibility aspect to it. And... Yeah, he does. He does. But he, he's not a businessman. No, he's not. A, he's not a businessman. He is at heart a philanthropist. Yeah, I mean, you know, he buys Colleen's building. Yeah, you know well, that was kind of icky, though. Yeah, in, in a way, it was kind of icky, but you never really seem like really act on it after that one little throwaway scene. Is like, you know, don't worry about your rent. Right. You know, she's like, "Oh, what are you going to pay for me?" He's like, "No, I'm your new landlord." <laughs> Yeah. And it's more like and it's more like help me and I won't ask for the rent. But but the, the, you it's, know, but not the sleep with Danny me. Ran, but Danny Rand does shit like that mm-hmm. and it's reprehensible shit. Right. But then there's two ways you can go from there. You can either double down mm-hmm. or you can learn from it and not do it again. And I think Danny Rand learns from it and doesn't do it again. Right. So, I I just you know I, yeah it it, it I, seems like and it seems like instead of doubling down when he did that in the Iron Fist series when he bought Colleen's building that it became more about keeping the dojo open than you know his trying to get play right you know than his play at Colleen to get her to help or whatever right you know and so so it seems like he he does things. That that are kind of icky, and then he reassigns a motivation, right? You know that is, you know it's better this way. If I is, you it, know. is it perfect? No, no. But is he Luke Cage? No, he's not. Now, Luke Cage doesn't do stuff like that. Well, no. But on the other hand, the whole of the Defenders roster is about imperfect heroes, right? You know, Matt Murdock is stricken with guilt. Uh, Jessica Jones feels distant and isolated from everybody. You know, Luke Luke Cage, some of the same, but he has that sense of community. You know, but, you know, he doesn't... But he's totally an outsider. Everywhere he goes, yeah. people are like, it's him. It's him. Yeah. No, one inter- no one wants to interact with him because, you know, frankly, most of the people that he hangs out with are below the law as well mm-hmm. and, and don't want the hero of Harlem in their shit. Right, and so, and and Danny even, too is even is the an people outsider. he's trying to protect. Don't want his help. I mean, he was trying to help the kid in the beginning, mm-hmm. and uh, the kid didn't want the help. No, he didn't want his help. to go away. It's too late for me. And and you know, I, I realize Luke Cage doesn't want to hear that and doesn't take that as an answer, and he shouldn't. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't. That's who he is. But that doesn't make him a normal person. Right. Right. And and in a way, Luke Cage is kind of the Captain America character. He is the character that is, to the people of Harlem, he is an inspiration, but he's also kind of a bane. Yeah, Luke Cage is totally the Captain America. He's like the... 
he he's the one who who people listen to. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, because any anybody argues, Luke Cage stands up and goes, "Hold on," and he's reasonable about it. Mm-hmm. I don't think you ever see Luke Cage um, like really lose his temper in this at all. No, he doesn't. He never does. Everyone else does to a mm-hmm. certain extent. Uh, Danny Rand pitches a fit almost every ten minutes about mm-hmm. something. Uh, Jessica Jones doesn't even want to be there. She's like Dante. Yeah. Not even supposed to be here today, right? And and you know Matt is torn because he feels guilty because he loves being Daredevil. Yeah, but like his friends don't like it. His friends don't like it, but well, he, and his friends, he, it is almost like he gets this almost perverse satisfaction out of being Daredevil. Well, and then his Foggy has a point. Every case that Matt has ever been involved with including the cases they work together is called into question and has to be retried and they you know that's you'll get disbarred and so will so will foggy and you know i think he's torn between needing to do this for himself and having to deal with like the consequences of what he does on other people Mm -hmm. because he has a dual life no one knows who he is everyone knows who jessica jones is right everyone knows who luke cage is right and you know, no one gives a, a rat's ass about Danny Rand. Right, except that he's Danny Rand. Right. I'm like, what? He's the immortal Iron Chris. What? Yeah. But, oh, he's the rich kid with the... <laughs> he's the rich kid. Oh, yeah, that guy. Um, But, yeah, some of the greatest moments of this are Luke Cage and Danny Rand moments. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, the that. business ninja scene where, you know, they're back-to-back. Or side by side, and you know, Danny lights up a hand. <laughs> or when, when Danny's tied to the chair, and he's like, "When I, I f- punched the dragon, I plunged my fist yeah. into his molten heart." And he's like, "Well, I asked. I was just asking to be polite. <laughs> I was, I was joking." So, punched the dragon. Molten heart. Molten heart. <laughs> must have hurt. <laughs> uh, it was cool. It was cool. Right. I, I, I lived those moments. Um, this is the only one I've watched uh, twice mm-hmm. close to each other. Like, right. watched it and then rewatched it. Um, and didn't feel like put out and bored by it. Right. Because there's always something else to see. Yeah, it's good. It's a good, good series. Um, I'm glad they did it. To the to the uh, haters of of Iron Fist, get a life. Read the comics. Yeah, and don't read the current comics. Go back, do some digging, uh, look for the Marvel premiere. Yeah, the old Roy Thomas issues and stuff like that. Yeah, fifteen through twenty five. There were ten of them in Marvel premiere, and then he had his own uh, series, and then he went on to Hero for Hire, and that run to the point where he was killed. Is what you want to read, because that's where they're taking the character from. Right. And I'm sure he's going to grow. He's going to become the Iron Fist everybody thinks of with Iron Fist, like Super Zen, right. dude. Well, he's he's close. He's getting there. He's getting there. I guess he's still kind of like a a spoiled little kid. Well, yeah, he's got kind of the douchey Zen thing going on now. <laughs> he's Elon Musk. <laughs> yeah, and. <laughs> 
and and that's fine, and that's fine because you know you know there's you know there's potential there with Danny, and it's like okay, Jessica Jones is just like I said, she does her character arc is you know flat. Uh, Daredevil's Her character, character. is a uh, clear alcohol to brown alcohol. That's right, um, and a, and a stolen beer on a subway. That Which was is, a funny scene right there. With it's been a uh, long week. Yeah, and the defenders just uh, you know the Avengers fly around in multi million dollar special jets and shit like that, and the defenders are on the subway. Right, because <laughs> all their wallets are locked up. <laughs> I forgot my wallet. I forgot mine too. Now they're all evidence. Metro card. Yeah, they think I. They think you kidnapped me. <laughs> yeah, it, it, that has become. I don't see how you can't put two and two together, and that Matthew Murdoch is Daredevil. Yeah, I think anyone in that police station should have known it like that. I think Misty knows. Yeah, probably. I think Misty's figured it out that if Matt Murdock is running with Luke Cage and Jessica Jones and stuff like that, and then suddenly the devil of hell's kitchen shows up. Yeah. I think the only thing that is a cognitive dissonance of Matt Murdock being blind, Mm -hmm. how could he possibly do that if he's blind? Yep. Jessica Jones had the pictures. There could be something else that leads into uh, the lead up of born again. Oh, someone finds the camera? Yeah, because he smashed the camera, but you know, there's no guarantee that the film was destroyed. Unless it was a digital camera. And, then and it's Jessica Jones, and it probably was a digital camera. And the hard drive. That's right, because, I mean, we're talking about a world that a man can build a suit that can fly Mach 2. Of course, that camera might have been destroyed in the collapse of that building. but It wasn't there when they uh, when they went back. It wasn't still laying on the floor in the lobby. <laughs> and, you know, Madam Gao has a friend in, in the big house who's very interested in the Devil of Hell's Kitchen. That's true. I think she's going to show up again in, in uh, Daredevil. I think yeah, I think she's going to continue to be a recurring villain. Um, you know, so let's, let's talk about that. What do you think for, you know, the future of the Netflix universe? Minus the Punisher, who gives a shit? Right. Um, uh, I know. think it's. I think that this only strengthens it. Um, I think you have a lot. I think the only one that really is going to be difficult to play off of this is going to be Jessica Jones because they did mm-hmm. absolutely nothing with her. Right. Right. And I think um, you know it's one of those things they've they've pretty much announced that there's going to be a Jessica Jones season two. And then Bendis started writing a Jessica Jones series for Marvel. So it's probably, it's going to have to be based in that. Um, yeah. I'm, say- I'm not saying that there's nowhere they can go. Cause obviously right. there's like a world of possibilities. And since I haven't been reading that, I don't know where that's going, but so. this doesn't, this, right. There's this no spinoff. There's no spin out. Right. This provided a great jumping off point for daredevil. Uh, a great jumping off point for Iron Fist. An all right um, one for, for Luke Cage, unless they're doing Heroes for Hire, and then you have Iron Fist and Luke Cage in the same series, mm-hmm. which would be great. Which seems but, that seems, is, seems to be more of the setup. But 
but they really didn't do anything for Jessica Jones. Mm-hmm. What, what, where she's she's going to open up her detective agency again? I guess they set it up that she can pal around with Luke Cage again because they reestablished communication. Mm-hmm. But it can't be anything like the comic because well maybe maybe Luke Cage breaks up with Claire and when Claire goes to join the the Daughters of the Dragon and then he gets with with Jessica Jones and they and have a child have a and everything. Right. Um, I mean, that's a possibility. But, but that's, you know, but th- that's something that comes from the exterior. That's from the comics. That has absolutely nothing to do with what happened in, on screen in this show. Yeah, yeah. And the only thing they did was they, they started talking again. Right. They started talking again. Uh, she got a new window and door and stuff like that. And right. She's so, going to, things are going to go back to normal. Yeah, but it wasn't as powerful. Or things would go forward for her in terms of alias investigations, but it wasn't as powerful as, like, you know, setting up Born Again or Heroes for Hire or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, it was just, and that might be because Jessica Jones doesn't have a, you know, a 40 year history. Well, that's true. That's true. I mean, there is no, you oh, know, 50 year history. Jesus. Exactly. Yeah, Daredevil's been around for a very long time. Yeah, all and, of these other characters. Well, Daredevil's been since the mid '60s. Right. Uh, Luke Cage I, and Iron Fist were in the '70s, the early '70s, and Jessica Jones wasn't until the '90s. Right, and they did her entire. They did the entire Alias run for Jessica Jones. So the well, return did, of the Purple Man and his Man. death. So. That, that maybe it's maybe she was the weakest character because they don't have as much to go on. That's a possibility. That's a possibility. There's no, there's not a whole lot of references you can do. Yeah. And I will say that Defenders is the probably the first Marvel series that did not reference the Avengers. Um, I think it did though. I think it. I think there was something in there. I can't be specific, but I think they talk about. I want to say they did. I, I didn't recall. I don't recall seeing an Avengers nod. They didn't, I don't recall any nods to the incident um, and no jokes about any uh, specific like Avengers. Power, I think it was a powers thing. They mentioned something about powers. I'd have to look it up. Yeah. But anyway, um, yeah, if you get a chance, if you haven't seen it and you know, don't mind our spoilers... Uh, give the show a check out. Uh, if you have watched it, you didn't really like it, you know, give it a, give it another shot. Watch it again, and or, uh, or post on our Facebook or Twitter or whatever, and fight us. That's right, or fight us. Microphones of Madness Facebook dot com, um, Microphones of Madness at Gmail dot com. If you want to uh, send us an email and tell us how wrong we are, yeah, and uh, we'll send you an email right back and point out why you're wrong, or give you a no prize, or no prize. Which we can't do that because the no prize is actually trademarked by Marvel Comics. Is it? I'll give you a yes. not prize. A not prize. The microphone man is not prize. Not right upside your head with a glowing fist. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean it's it's definitely worth checking out if you haven't seen it. It's definitely worth checking out again if you have. Um, you know, if you watch Avengers over and over again, you can watch Defenders. 
And I think Defenders is much far superior to the Avengers film. If you watch Avengers over and over again, go find a new movie. Yeah. (laughs) If you like... Go watch Miles Ahead or something. Right. If you liked Batman versus Superman and you didn't like Defenders, then... You're part of the problem, man. See a psychiatrist. All right. So we're going to cut it right there. And um, until next time, keep 30 looking.